Welcome to the Crackpots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And this past week, uh, our text was... Pick up your mat, stand up, get up, get in the pool. Everybody in the pool. Healing. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, John 5. John 5. John 5. And, and the missing verse... Yeah. Verse 4 of the angel coming down and staring at the waters. This is really just weird, right? Like, yeah. I totally get why that is. I mean, beyond the... the um, it was added late, yeah. Right, beyond, it was, beyond it was, the... It was a later edition, so it's not included. Correct. But. And I, I totally get why they're like, yeah, no, we're not putting that in there. And I totally don't get why they felt the need to put in a whole stirring the water crap um, in the later manuscripts just to... I'm a big fan of them saying, yeah, we don't need that in there, and it not being in there. Yeah, because it's like, okay, well, what, 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 what purpose does this serve other than to, I guess, try and explain why, why you would only get healed as the first person? Well, no, and it, it's also interesting because, I mean, they're not entirely sure what this pool, some think it was a purity pool, that kind of thing, um, that was for ritual cleansing, but there's also the thought that it was maybe a pool of Asclepius, which was the Greek god of healing, which anybody who is in the medical field knows about Asclepius because that whole staff with the stick on it is the Asclepian rod. Um, there you go. Yeah, that, that is uh, the symbol even today in 21st century America for healing. So was the belief in the pool that you had to be the first one, first one in and that's the only person that was healed? Because, now, because that's kind of the way it, like, it yeah. leans. Well, you know, I tried and people cut in line and wall. According wah, to this wah. story, yes. According yeah. to how Escalapian pools worked, um, I, that I have no idea. I, I, I had never really heard of that, but that... My, my knowledge of such things, believe it or not, is actually limited. I haven't studied that in full. <laughs> Should we get bored and Google it and come back tomorrow? And be like, so I got bored last night and I was reading about the Escalapian pools and because that's just how like this works. Oh, I don't have to get bored to do that. I can just do that. I mean, for fun. <laughs> What'd you do for fun? Uh, I read about Escalapian pools. So what am I like? Oh. I, this was a few months ago, I think. I don't know. All time is blurred. And Pastor Rebecca came in. So I couldn't sleep last night. So I watched these. these, these oh, no, it was this, when I was recovering from COVID. Or not COVID, the, but the shot. shot from the um, booster shot. Yeah. And yeah. I, I watched this series on, and it was like all historical, like biblically-ish, nerdy Oh, the stuff. Assyrian Empire. Yes, the rise and fall of the Assyrian right, Empire. Right, and I'm it's like. Fascinating. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> there are a million things that would hit my. Uh, my Netflix watch list before it would be fall, rise and fall of Syrian empires. Oh no, anyway. it was, it was totally, um, the, the, this really fascinating thing to watch even while I was like lying there feverish and. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> Purely. I'm, I'm guessing it had something to do with delusions and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallucinations yeah, yeah. from the vaccine. Um, so anyway, so this text, um, I think, is often only focused on the Jesus' question, do you want to be made well? Right. Right? The, so the, Jesus the response asked, to that question. Jesus asked the question, do you want to be made well? And then that kind of gets 
thrown into the whole God helps those who help themselves. Right. Right? Like that isn't really in Scripture. It's, oh, it's not in Scripture at all. I right. mean, right. yeah, you, you have to extrapolate that of, yeah. yeah. And but I think this, that's what I like, like, when you hear this story, oh, the healing of the guy with the book, oh, yeah, if you want to be made well, get up and walk. Um, what I really find interesting, and we had a, we had a contemporary worship faux pas, um, the children's sermon, um, Brittany said, and the guy said, yes, of course I want to be made well, but she didn't really look at that part of the text, um, because he never says yes. No. Which I, which I find, I found really interesting. Like, yeah. Do you want to be healed? Well, you know, like, so, so it makes me wonder. So, so this guy has no clue who Jesus is. Right. Like, there's just some schmo walking up to him by so, the pool. And so in defense of the guy. Okay. Right. So in defense of the guy, he has no idea who Jesus is. Some random stranger comes up and says, do you want to be healed? And you might get a little defensive because... That's exactly where I was going. Yeah. You and and I didn't go there on Sunday or Saturday night or Sunday this You're weekend. You're like, well, I, I, look at how, me. How, yeah. many, how many people ask the guy, listen, do you want to be made well? Like, get, in, get in the damn pool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get in the pool. You're right there. Just roll into the pool. Yeah. And the guy said, well, like, people Seriously, after 38 years, you haven't figured out how to get in there first. Right. Exactly. Know? So I totally get the guy's response and that, that sort of defensiveness because he didn't know who Jesus was. And I guarantee you, it wasn't the first person to give the guy crap for being by the pool for 38 years and not getting in to get healed. Right. So I totally get the guy's response. And I did, I, like I said, I did not, it did not go there in my sermon. Um, but I, again, totally, totally get the guy's response. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and, and you do. That becomes sort of the, the, the norm in terms of when people come at you with, with, well, why don't you do X, Y, or Z, is you immediately explain why you haven't done X, Y, or yeah. Z. So do you want to be healed? Well, I mean, the implied, of course, probably is, well, yeah, but, right. you, now, you know. But that was the guy says. He lists why he is not. But, but well, I try to get in the pool and people yeah. cut in line. And da, 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 da. Which I find really interesting because, you know, how many times, um, let, me, let me backtrack, one, like only like a half step. So when I do premarital counseling, we, we use a book called Becoming Us. And one of the terms they use in that book is called assumicide. And it's where you assume what your partner is, where you assume what your partner is thinking or saying when they ask a question or what they're implying. And you respond, you know, often defensively or you're, you react defensively because you assume that what they're doing. So like the number of times where Christina will say something or ask me a question, and I like, my response is not really the way it, not really, I won't say appropriate, but doesn't really fit the, the statement or the question. So wait, I wasn't saying that. That's not what I meant. Oh, I assume that you, so this guy assumed that Jesus was just another dude giving him crap about, not, about being there for 30 years and not getting healed. That's really what it amounts to. Yeah. Now, totally get it. where you go to kind of figure out sort of what, where this guy's character is, is as the story continues. And as the yeah. story continues, then he goes to the temple, he's carrying his mat around, and they're like, well, who did it? Well, I don't know who did it, you know, kind of thing. And then when he does find out, he immediately goes and tells them because 
he's in trouble and it's, it's I, got, I got to shift the blame. Throws Jesus right under the bus. And, and something I want to clarify um, as well, you know, you, you started the clarification when you said when, when the Gospel of John says the Jews. Yep. Um, that means the religious leaders. Yep. I want to clarify that further and say it's a particular group of religious leaders within Judaism. Judaism is not a monolith. Correct. They're like us, where when somebody says, you know, I really hate Christians because X, and you sit there going, well, wait a minute, that's I not didn't do my, that. It's I like, that's not my branch of Christianity. That's, that's, that's not what we believe. I mean, yep. we have a lot of that in today's world. I, you and I have a, have a struggle because yep. there's, there are other strains of Christianity out there. Um, and we frequently are meeting up against the, well, here's what I don't like about Christianity. And it's like, funny, I don't like that kind of Christianity either. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, again, Pastor Rebecca and I were talking before we hit record. I was golfing yesterday with a, with a young kid and, you know, he's golfing and hits a bad shot and, you know, swears because, you know, when you golf and hit a bad shot, that's usually what comes out. Mm -hmm. um, and we get about six holes in. And he says, what do you, he asked me what I do for a living. And I'm like, you really don't want to know. It's going to ruin your round of golf. Because people react. Now, I knew ultimately we were going to have that conversation. But I'm like, you don't want to know. Let's just enjoy this round of golf. So, oh. so the funny thing, what are you, what are, you, are you a cop? And I'm like, no, I'm not a cop. It's like, I'm a pastor. He's like, oh, I am so sorry for, for swearing. Oh my. I'm like, listen, it's all right, it's golf. I swear, I get it, not a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, just so again, that yep. yeah, that's a good clarification. I think, yeah. but generally speaking, yes. Just do not hear Jews as the 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 the, the whole, the whole of Jewish of people. people are, yes, like, there's that's not what. Un unfortunately, John's gospel it does not choose to. John's gospel likes to make symbolic references, and unfortunately, that has been taken. Um, in very, very bad ways in the, the subsequent centuries to yeah. promote anti-Semitism, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, and so I always want to be extremely careful when we, we talk about that. And if there was a way, a way for me to just change how we actually, when we read it, to, to say some of some religious leaders, <laughs> yeah. you know, instead of quote to the Jews, to say some religious leaders. Yeah. Um, because even to say, oh, okay, well, it's the Pharisees. Well, you know, Pharisees are, are were kind of the birth child of uh, modern rabbinic Judaism. Well, you could say, you could say, oh, the Lutheran pastors and even... Even that. Like, that is not... Yeah, across the board is not... And gonna. you could say ELCA Lutheran pastors, and even that is not... No. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, okay, so, so very good point, because um, I, was, I was visiting somebody in the hospital, and there was a nurse, and she was talking, and, um, you know, she asked what denomination, and I said, well, I, I, I just threw out Lutheran. Yes, I said, well, what church? I said, well, Emmanuel Lutheran Palm City. And she goes, oh, yeah, well, I know this. Oh, there's this, other, yeah, this Lutheran church, and she named another one, and I was like, oh, that's not us. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's a Missouri Synod, and I couldn't be a pastor there, so, right. um, you know, and, and, and it's one of those, you know, it's a very different, but when you're, you get categorized, it, it that, you know, right. Right. And, and that's, and, and that's always the dangers that we have. I think we talked about snap judgments, um, and, and immediate assumptions that we make based on stereotypes and that kind of thing um, in a previous podcast uh, with, I think it was the Samaritan woman. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and and so there we go, you know, and, and the dangers of that, and we see the dangers of that just in the way in which this text is written and how these particular leaders um, were uh, behaving and how they get stereotyped. And unfortunately, that then becomes, a, we pretend that's a monolith of, well, this is the way, you know, Judaism existed back then. What is a monolith? So we use the term a lot. Okay, and, monolith and, meaning... And it's one of the things that we should explain. Right, mono beyond. meaning singular. Yep. Uh, so the monolith meaning that it's a, a, a singular way in which everything happens. Yeah. And, um, or the way everything is done. And, um, like, it's one big stone. <laughs> you know, it's just like everything's encapsulated in this one, this one um, uh, tradition. And that is so not how Judaism operates or works. It wasn't how it operated then. It isn't how it operates now. Um, the mere fact that you have, that this is what I find fascinating in this story, is the mere fact that you have the Pool of Bethesda, which was likely an Escalapian um, pagan healing pool temple right next to the temple tells you how the, the influence of Greek society really was um, kind of permeated into the, the Jewish culture at the time. Um, that there were gymnasiums, there were these pools, all of this stuff that was intermingled with the stuff that was also Jewish tradition. So you have this guy who is, as far as we can tell, he's, he, he, he's Jewish, but he is at a pool of Escalapius. So here comes that reason that that uh, fourth verse may have been added because people may have been like, why on earth was this happening? Why was this guy going for healing to a pagan temple to, so, to get healed? And so to kind of, I guess, soften that and, and, and be like, oh, no, oh, we can't have him, have him been sitting at a pagan temple. Let's make it an angel came down and stirred the waters and we'll leave that ambiguous. And yeah. yeah. Um, but... So one of the things I, so, so, so unfortunately we're limited in how much time we have to like dig into texts and, you know, unfortunately you can't always, you can't explore all of your curiosities in the way we're structured. You know, we're not structured that you, know, you have 20, 30 hours a week to work on a sermon and really like, like really going. So one of the things I found interesting and... So the guy doesn't know who Jesus is before, right. doesn't really know after the healing, kind of finds out later. And yeah. when, Je when Jesus finds him again later going, so how's this going for you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he does find him in the temple. Now, I, our assumption is the, the temple temple. Right. But again, that's an assumption. So, and, and, I, and I made the statement, and maybe incorrectly, you know, sort of reflecting back, you know, that this guy had no faith before and no faith after, which appears to be the case. In Jesus. 
in Jesus. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The, right. The, 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 he, so, he probably had, had faith in something because he wouldn't yeah. have been at the pool to begin with if yeah. he didn't think something was possible. Yeah. Was he healed and then did he go to the temple to give thanks? We don't know. Yeah. It's not there. It's typically what you did have to do, though. Um, was when, when, when a healing You had occurred, to go check in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, when, I'm when good. When healing occurred, you had to go get it verified yeah. um, at the temple. Yeah. So that made sense. Uh, there you go. That's true. Go, That's true. Yeah, yeah. He, he had to go have a priest actually say, yes, you're healed. And especially in He gets cases, his return to society card stamped right. by yeah. the priest because he's now no longer unclean. He's healed, yada, yada, right. yada. You're healed. You're now allowed back. Well, yeah. you're now allowed back in the temple. Right. So there's, there's also that, that element of not being allowed in the temple until you have been healed of, of your ailment. So he could not have gone to the temple temple as a lame person in order to be healed. So he's turned to this Escalapian pool, hoping that that maybe will be what, what does it for him. Um, and... The other thing I've really I don't, struggled isn't isn't the right word, um, but have been has been like bouncing around my skull um, for a while, and, and particularly um, post Rock the Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of of God transforming lives. I truly believe that God transforms lives. But I wonder how how central that is to our faith um, as Lutherans. Is it something, and I'm asking this without knowing, and I don't want to make any assumptions because that's probably not, that's not fair. Um, you know, do we expect God to transform lives? And then maybe the rest of that is, because I, my sense is that, you know, maybe we don't expect God to be transformative. Or is it, we think that God can transform lives, but it's those people's lives that need to be transformed, not my own. Right. And, and I, and, and the, reason, the reason all this is kind of bubbling up, um, I, I used this phrase this weekend, you know, when, when I feel filled with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit overflows, they usually overflows out my eyeballs. Um, <laughs> like apparently that's like my Holy Spirit release valve. Like, I feel something deeply spiritual and, like, it oozes out of my eyes. <laughs> okay. Because um, you cry. Because I cry. Yes. Um, so we're at Rock the Universe and so many of the performers that, like, talked about their own personal experience, their own transformation, their own, um, again, they use different language because most of them are much more evangelical. Um, you know, being, using, using the being saved language, mm-hmm. um, which is really not a common thing in Lutheranism um, at, at all. Um, 
At least, in, at least it, not in that sense, in a much different sense. So, so it's like, do we, do we feel, do we believe that God has the power to and is going to transform our lives? And are we willing to let it happen? Right? So it's like, you have to be open to it and allow it to happen when presented. There, there's, there's a part of it that you know, we can be really stubborn and, and we can be really stubborn people. Yeah, well, I mean, so to kind of go back and, and address your first question of whether or not we expect transformation. Um, <clears throat> from a personal standpoint, yes, I do. And I think that becomes one of the frustrations I have in my own faith life is when I don't see transformation happening. <laughs> in yourself or someone else? Both. Okay, yep. Both. Yep. Um, a struggle with, and, and part of the problem is transformation isn't always immediate. It's a slow process. It's, it's back to that journey thing we talk about a lot. You know, and sometimes you have to be down the road and then look back and go, oh, and, and that, That's for fair. my own life, is what I have to do, is I have to look at, okay, where was I 10, 15 years ago, and where am I now? And, and, and look at the transformation that has taken place and recognize, oh, wow, I have really changed, but it's been slow and incremental. And, you know, it wasn't a, I woke up one day and things were just different. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, 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 exception, the, the exception being a, um, a moment I had when I lived in California that actually was a transformative moment of me going, but it was more an action moment of me just going, okay, um, I'm leaving LA kind of thing, where it was just this, this thing that was put on, on me that was, you know, you need to leave. And I was like, okay, so I left. Um, but as far as the character, you know, the, the, my beliefs, my, my, you know, the things I value, that kind of stuff, there have been um, significant shifts on account of my faith that have happened over the course of the past um, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, but then as a pastor, we, of course, sometimes get really frustrated when we're trying to convey some of that transformation we have spent the past 20 years going through, and we don't see other people transforming boom right on the spot. <laughs> why don't you get it? Why don't you just, why, why, why is this not happening at the, the, the speed I want it to? It's like you're going to stand, like, like we stand up there like, and like make that throwing motion with our hands. Transform! Yeah. Like exactly. Harry Potter, like Harry Potter wizardry stuff that you just <laughs> transform and transformago or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Not a Harry not a Harry Potter person. Um but no, I mean I th I think that is part of our problem because we look at the we look at the transformation stories in the Bible that typically do not take this long. Um <laughs> you know, you get right. you get Paul who's on the road to Damascus on his way to go kill Christians, and boom, has this encounter on the road, gets blinded, blah, 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 and it, it's an immediate, oh, wait, I've been wrong. Let me, well, and, and <laughs> let maybe, me join you. <laughs> and, may, and maybe that's where, where Scripture doesn't do justice because it is, 
it is, and, and I mean, let's face it, if, it were, if, if Paul's conversion story were a novel in and of itself, uh, the Bible would be really long. And not that that more immediate trans, or transformation doesn't it, happen. It does happen. It does. Yeah. And, that's, and those does. are the powerful stories that you wind up hearing at something like Rock the Universe. So the people who had yeah. their epiphany moment um, of needing to turn their life around. Yep. Um, and it's usually somebody who's... So a lot of those are stories that come out of... Um, They've been in prison, it's Addiction, drug use, it's, all those things. Yeah. yeah, those things, and they eventually hit some kind of rock bottom, and that's a transformational moment for them. Right. So one, um, of, one of the conversations I had with one of our parents at Rock the Universe, we were kind of reflecting and talking about this, you know, some of the things we heard from, from the stage. Again, those, listen, my life was, I, I hit rock bottom, and, at, and that's where I found Jesus, and, and yada, 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 that, generally speaking. And so, you know, it makes it really hard to impress upon our youth who, largely speaking, have led really privileged lives. Not all, but have, read, have led really privileged lives that haven't experienced anything near a rock bottom. It's hard for them to relate to that kind of, that kind of transformation and that part of faith. So they, they have faith. I mean, I have no doubt that our youth have faith. Mm-hmm. But... It looks, it's less, it was less, ur- them coming, them growing in their faith was less urgent than it was for, than it is for some people. Right. Um, well, I mean, and I, and, and I don't want our youth to hit rock bottom. No. I don't want our youth to hit rock bottom so no. we can say, no, 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 aha, no, no. transformation. Well, I and I, like I said, so, you know, that's, that's kind of, I think the background both you and I came from was, it, it, it was fairly privileged, whatever. We never yeah. got into um, those types of, of situations in our lives. Um, we had bad things happen in our lives um, that rocked us, you know, that, that um, were life-changing events, you know, things that, that shattered us, hurt us, et cetera. But it was not, um, we, you know, we, we, ha- we didn't go down those particular paths in terms of hitting rock bottom and needing to, to do that. It, um, so it becomes a less... So, so our stories, while I think they're, they're helpful to the average person um, to, to kind of hear how things progressed for us, um, it doesn't have the, the real power of what a... Here was my life... Now here's my life, and they're complete opposites. Right. Um, yeah. I, I would not say my life is a complete opposite of what it used to be. It, 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 it's been subtle shifts. Mine's not complete opposite, but it's... Uh, <laughs> we're a good 90 degree, or a good right-hand turn, or left-hand turn, whatever. I don't yeah. care. So, 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 I, so I look at that, for me, you know, staying on the same topic, sort of same topic. Uh, the fact that I... I have never used drugs. I think it's divine intervention. Um, every every one of my college roommates did. Oh, I. Um, I, I, I I was in all the art classes and worked in an art store in college. So hello. Yeah. yeah. And I, <laughs> Not to I be was, stereotypical, but. 
<laughs> I was places, and I'll just use this as a general, I was places when I was in high school and college where there were piles of cocaine. And, I, and for me, it was never even, it wasn't even attempting, like, oh, oh well, I lived maybe, and worked well. in Hollywood. I mean, right, I know, right. You know, it's, so, yeah, so, I mean, it was the all fact, there. And, and I had, you know, I had addiction in my family. Um, you know, I was exposed to those things. I, I, I drank a lot in college. I'm not, not going to deny that, but... Um, yeah, been there, done that. But I mean, like, I, I, it's... But transformation, I think, we have to remember, we, you and I, we as Christians, that transformation looks differently for different people. Right, and everybody's transformation is going to be different. Yep. Um, even when you get kind of the... Again, sort of stereotypical stories that you hear, transformation that they get people up there to talk about. Um, it, there, there are differences in the stories yeah. um, in terms of, I mean, the basic overall, oh, okay, this is a, a, a theme, you know, I was drug addicted, I was an alcoholic, I was whatever, um, and God changed my life, and now I'm not that anymore. And... Powerful, powerful stories, but also, I, there's, there's, to me, there's, there's a frustration in those because I know so many people who that desperately want that transformation, yeah. and it doesn't happen. Yeah. They desperately want that transformation in their lives, yeah. and that transformation has not at this juncture happened in their lives. And, and we often quickly say things like, well, if you just have more faith, yeah. or you, you just, just, just have to have faith, if you just try harder. And again, the reality of this story, this transformation has nothing to do with faith. Yeah. And then where it gets really tricky is that, well, then maybe God doesn't love me, and that's why God hasn't, interceded and you know the reality is there's lots and lots of complications to it and, and I mean so so we're talking so we're talking about transformation and part of that I I really don't think especially in John that the healing stories are about the physical healing no like okay great this dude can walk again and that's fantastic after 38 years I mean awesome and if, if, and if that story happens today, we, that's awesome. But, but it's, it's really about... The question is, for whose faith? Is it the faith of the person being healed, or is the healing done for the sake of those who are watching? Mm. So, for instance, the one that we are not considering a healing story because the dude was dead. Right, so we had this conversation. So I did a pop quiz how many healing stories are in John's gospel? And it's either three or four. So yeah. it's three, unless you count the raising of Lazarus, who's already dead. So is that a healing or is that more of like a resurrection or bringing back to life? Right, yeah. So, so it, I mean, you're being healed from being dead, I guess. But So, so we, we did not count that as a healing story. Correct. But acknowledge that it could be understood as a healing story right. um, because you're being healed from being dead. But what is the purpose of this? I mean, Jesus literally let the dude die for a reason. <laughs> right. 
I mean, the, the, the scripture, that is clear, is Jesus waited. Do we, With the full knowledge that his waiting was going to mean that Lazarus would die. Does that text come up in the, in the narrative this year? I'm sure it does. I, I, can't, saying, I can't imagine that it does I'm doesn't. sure it does too. I haven't looked, but I, I cannot imagine that that story is not in there. Right. Um, it, it's Same. too central of a, yeah. um, uh, a story to, to not be part of, uh, of the narrative lectionary. But, yeah, no, but I mean, you know, Jesus literally lets the guy die on purpose and explains he's letting him die on purpose because he needs to do this thing in order for other people to believe. Right. So he lets the guy die, and then, you know, a couple days later, when we're sure that Lazarus is actually dead dead, um, he goes and, and, and raises him. And the point of that story, believe it or not, is not so much for the sake of Lazarus coming back to life, because apparently life didn't go so well for Lazarus once he got raised. But I'm sure he really appreciated it. I'm sure he did, but um, the, the flip side of that is then we have those, those, those particular group of leaders that then wanted him dead again. Um, <laughs> you know, dead men walking uh, doesn't go well, apparently, um, in some circles. So <laughs> he, was, he was considered a threat right along with Jesus. But it was not done, according to how the story is written, it was not done for the sake of Lazarus. Um, it was done for the sake of everybody who was going to witness what happened. And that's kind of hard to wrap your brain around sometimes. Right that this wasn't done just because Mary and Martha were upset or just because Lazarus was dead and Jesus loved Lazarus. And, and Jesus did. He cried. Which I always find an interesting... The Holy Spirit overwhelmed him and overflowed through his eyeballs. It did. It did exactly that. Uh, Jesus, you know, there are two times Jesus weeps in Scripture. Um, yep. Once over Jerusalem and then when he... Uh, sees Mary and, and Martha in their grief, and, and he weeps right along with them. Um, but to recognize that those healing stories are for the sake of the faith of others <laughs> sometimes is a little jarring because it's like, well, wait a minute. You're not doing this just for the sake of making me better? I right. mean, that, that's, that's not a fun thing to think about. Yeah. Uh, um, and it should be about me. It should be about me. <laughs> it should be about me and making me better so that I don't have these problems anymore. Yeah. Um, but to also recognize that maybe the transformations that we do go through aren't just for us. Yes, we benefit. <laughs> Let's not get that wrong. We definitely benefit when we transform. Well, I, I but it's not solely a transformation for just us and us alone. Yeah. I feel like society, we, we as society, has gotten away from the concept of the collective or the greater good. Yes. You know, in this understanding 
um, what I want, what I need. Right. And I, I, I feel like we've gotten away from, well, even something that doesn't directly benefit me benef can, be can be benefits me. You know, that whole idea of if one person is hurting, then we're all hurting, or if one person is hungry, we're all hungry, or, you know, that, that sort of collective commun you know, community, greater, greater sense of community concept. Um, and I don't, I don't know how we get back to it. <laughs> um, I think there's a desperate need to get back to it. Uh, yeah. But we struggle so much to, to get there that we have a hard time, a hard time seeing why it matters. Right. Um, um. Like, well, if someone else has, if someone else has rights, that takes away something from me. Well. No, it doesn't. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, it weakens us as, or, as society. Well, and I think, you know, one of the pushbacks is, or there's something that benefits somebody else but might inconvenience me. Correct. And, and, and I, or something I just don't really want to have to do, even though it may be something that is helpful or protective of somebody else, whether I know them or not. Yeah. And, and we sometimes get a little too turned in on ourselves. Um, and, well, what I like, what makes me comfortable versus what might be good for, for people. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's a hard thing sometimes to, because we are so, especially in, in this country, individualism is such a strong um, force and, and is embedded in um, sort of our, our, I would say, our, even our founding is the, the individualism of the individual right, um, the individual um, ability to do X, Y, and Z, that yeah. we have unfortunately, I think, taken that to such an extreme that we have forgotten we still are a collective. Um, we are a society. We are a whole um, that is one part of, of something greater. And, and recognizing, you know, that, okay, so um, I pulled a muscle in my back the other day. Um, and so bending over really, really hurts my back. And there are certain things I really enjoy doing um, that... I wanted to still be able to somehow figure out how to do, et cetera, et cetera, but realized doing that was going to probably further injure that muscle in my back. And so it may not have been what the other parts of my body wanted me doing, <laughs> but so that that could heal, so that the collective whole could be, you know, put back so that I could actually get back to doing some of those things. I had to do some things I didn't want to do in order to make sure that that muscle healed properly. And so that's kind of one of those things that I think, you know, if we think about ourselves as part of a, a one big body, that when part of the body is having a problem, um, maybe, you know, we, we need to 
attend to that. Which led me into dangerous waters. Uh oh. This weekend. Yes. Yes. Um, we had a baptism this weekend too, and the baptism, the baptismal liturgy, always, always strikes me because of what we're promising as part of it. Yeah, we're promising to learn the, the Jesus-y stuff, the faith stuff. You know, there's promises to, you know, come to church and learn the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed and Ten Commandments and all those things. And then there's this thing about working and seeking justice, which I think admittedly we as people of faith are not good at because it starts to tread into the waters of politics and political systems, and we can't mix those two things, so it's, or so it's said. And we forget how intertwined um, the Gospels are and Jesus' ministry was with the political systems of the time. They were not separate. Oh, no. Um, they were very linked, and the, you know, the, it's kind of how Jesus got killed. Yeah, I was going to say, um, there, there was an actual empire that killed Jesus for political reasons. Now... To be honest, I'm not shooting for that personally. Um. No, um, despite that whole take up your cross and follow me, that's not usually the outcome we're hoping for. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I, I, I do... I, I do kind of like living, but... I do think that it's a serious part of our baptismal calling, a serious part of our faith, and one that we probably um, overall have the largest you know, areas to grow in in our faith. Um, and some of that, those, those, that means uncomfortable conversations. Well, um, and, and recognize that in Jesus's day, when he was telling people to take up their cross and follow him, um, it was life or death yes. in his day Yes. that to do what he was doing and to, you know, to, to follow him did actually mean you probably were, were going to get killed. Now, you and I kind of joke about being crucified, whatever. And the reality is, no, that's not what's going to happen to us. Um, not, not in this day and age. No, you just get are, fired. Where we are. No, we might get fired. We might lose our job. It will have a cost. But it is not... Um, it, Currently, it, it's not death. Yeah, it's, it's not to that point um, of, well, you say these things and it's going to get you killed. So... I, again, I, th I think it's that it's going just, so justice for me is going back to that collective of society. So one of the things I mentioned was, you know, the, so February 1st, first day of Black History Month, there are bomb threats to the historically black colleges and universities. I am white. I'm white. Mm -hmm. Why does that matter to me? Yeah, why do I care? Well, I mean, personally... How does that affect me? Right, personally, I'm not at a black college or university. I don't have relatives at a black college or university. But as, as a person of faith, we should care about our, our brothers and sisters from, you know, different races, different ethnicities, you know, different... You know, different, just, just use the word different. Um, it, it's, it's what we should do. And I, I think one of the challenges right now in society, and, and again, I'll, I'll be as clear as I was on Sunday, you know, this is not 
not a knock on either on any singular political party. Nope. Um, we have way too many people that are putting way too much faith in political parties, politicians, and political systems and, that are and, and particular that, figures, etc. Right. Yes. That are really only concerned about preserving themselves. At the, well, at, at the end of the day, preserving themselves and pre preserving the systems that have allowed them to be where they are. Yep. And um, and that's yeah. wealthy, because yeah. there ain't a politician. No one comes out of Washington poor. Nope. No one comes out of Washington poor. Nope. So Ever. if you go, man, I want to make some money. I'm, so you're going to do... Might, they might come out of Washington in jail, but they don't come out poor. <laughs> right. So, so but we, we, we're putting so much faith in those political systems and political and we're letting, parties. we're letting them divide us. We're letting those systems and we're letting those people who are only yet really out for themselves divide yep. us. And, 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 I'll and be, that's, that's the real tragedy. I'll, I'll be really blunt. I thought President Trump sucked. And I think President Biden sucks. And I, I don't know how else to say it. I think neither one of them represent, purely represent faith values. No. Now, yes, you know, Biden you know, goes to church and, and, and prays regularly, and, and that's all fine and well. Um, but there are so many, so many parts. But of there are our... so many parts of what he does as president that are not going to um, be a reflection of the scriptures that he quotes. Correct. And, and that's every politician. Well, because... that's because being, being in those positions by that very nature is going to put you in opposition many times to what the scriptures call you to do. Yep. So, so, we, so again, the question becomes, so why, are, why as people of faith are we putting our faith for transformation in a political system that is not designed to transform anything other than politicians' bank accounts and preserve the systems, not transform, yep. preserve, preserve the systems or enhance the systems that keep them in power. Like, like, there's no part of that, again, either party, there's no part of that system that's, that's self-perpetuating that screams Jesus. Yeah. And I, I think it's deeply troubling, you know, as society that, that we're putting so much of our faith into politicians and political systems and political parties to do transformation that really doesn't belong in politics, it belongs in the church. Right. It belongs in the church. And, and neither party, again, to be clear, and I've said this before, we've both said this before, you know, neither party is a party that can faithfully say, we represent Jesus. Now, they do. They do. Oh, yes. There, there are some who will claim it. And, and they're full of crap at, at every instance. Now, do they have pieces? Sure. And now, is that to say that you, know, you and I are, are perfect um, beacons of faith? We're not. <laughs> We're not. No. There, there's a humanity and there's, and there's a frailty and, and, a, and a failure and sinful nature to humanity, all of humanity. Yep. And I get that. However, systems, and again, so much of what you and I talk about, people take as individuals or personally, and 99% of the time we're talking systemic things. Right. We're, so we're talking, racism. Yeah. You know, I, it's not about 
Joe Blow being racist, right? Or Mary Susie Smith being racist. It's not about that. It's about the systems that, that oppress and allow those things. Now, do we want Joe Blow and Susie Smith to be racist? To be racist? No. no. <laughs> but it's the, it's the systemic things that are in place that, that are really troublesome. Yeah. Um, well, and, and to recognize that the systemic only exists as long as you have people who actually believe it and prop it up. Right. So, yes, you, you, there's, there's, there's an individual as well as systemic component to it. You know, but typically when we're talking about it, we're talking about the overarching systemic issues. Yep. That we all sit there and go, um, how do we fight that? And, it, and it's not just race. You know, we, we talked about, you know, I mentioned, you know, the, the housing crisis that we have right now. The reality is, in our current climate, if you're a teacher and you're a single teacher, you can't, you can't afford to live in this community. There's no place for you to live because you can't afford it. It's too expensive. That's not okay. Nope. It's not okay. Yeah. And, and I don't even know. Again, it's systemic. Because, I mean, well, we don't, want, we don't want affordable housing in our community. We want nice, big, cushy condos that are luxurious that we can charge more money for. It's about economics. And, and that doesn't, systemically, that's problematic. And, as, and again, as people of faith, we should be advocating for people who don't have a voice. We should be trying to give them a voice. Yeah. That's the way we transform society. Because it's not going to happen through whatever elected official you have. It's just not. No. Doesn't work um, that way. And, but getting back to our story. <laughs> I was still on the story. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I to, to, to kind of get Put, us back to, to the particular story of what's going on here. Um, of, so the, the particular group of leaders that sees someone's breaking the law. Yep. Um, you know, it's, what, what, what are you doing? You're, you're carrying your mat. And, and we sit there and we wonder, we don't understand exactly how that was breaking the law because as Christians, we don't study Talmud. Um, we don't um, study what's called hachala. Um, we, we don't pay any attention to the ways in which um, Jewish religion operates and all of the... Um, extra stuff. I, I mean, it's very interesting to me to listen to, to Jewish people, rabbis, etc., who are completely confused as to how we as Christians even understand the Hebrew scriptures because they're like, you don't have all this other stuff to help you understand what's going on because there's a tradition around this. There's, there's right. centuries and thousands of years worth of work that has been done by these rabbis um, to talk about this. And so, you know, we sit there and we go, you know, the carrying of the mat, why was that such a big deal? And not recognizing that, you know, there, there was this whole system that, that is in place that talks about, um, because Scripture says don't work. Okay, well, we need to define what work is. Yep. Because what is, well, and, what and, constitutes and the work? And what was the purpose of the law? You know, the purpose of the law was to protect the poor. That's why they had the Sabbath. Because otherwise, the, 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 the wealthy would have had the poor working 365 days a year so they could keep propping up and making money. That's always been a thing. Yeah. And without the law, 
So Jesus is like, okay, so the law was actually in place to protect humanity, right? Not, not to protect a day or a time frame, but to protect humanity. So when Jesus engages, he says, okay, so law, humanity, law, humanity. That was an easy choice. Yep. And, and, and again, I, just, well, be, just because something's law doesn't mean it's right. You know, slavery was legal. Civil rights, you know, you know segregation was legal. Still crap when it when you look at it from a human humanistic standpoint. Yeah, I mean the, the the reality is just because we make a law doesn't mean the law is just. Correct. Um, does not mean the law is right, um, or does not mean the impl implementation of the law is the way it should be implemented. Um, and I think that's more the case here, where it's not that the law itself was wrong because it had a purpose, um, and the purpose was to protect the vulnerable. Um, but the implementation was such that it was no longer paying attention to what the purpose of the law was. Yep. And, um, and I would also like to point out that I believe very firmly and know for a fact that, um, again, there's Judaism not being this monolithic thing, that you definitely have um, different understandings within Judaism of how all this stuff gets interpreted as well. Um, so you don't have, like, every, every Jewish rabbi out there going, well, yeah, no, he should have not done that because he shouldn't have worked. There's, you know, there definitely, you know, today, rabbis who are sitting there going, well, duh, you know, <laughs> yeah. this is a really extreme um, version of Orthodox Judaism. And what, you know, what is being presented in the gospel stories and is not necessarily what a lot of, of practicing rabbis and Jews believe or follow. Um, and they were much more in line with what Jesus was teaching yep. and what Jesus was doing. So I think that's important for us to, to acknowledge as well. But guess what? Next week, bread. It's your favorite. So I, I know that bread of the I am the bread of life texts are your absolute favorite. And you are so excited to preach on it next week. So it's the fact that typically in the lectionary, it's like eight weeks of bread. A week of bread, I got it. I can do one week, even though I'm not currently eating bread. <laughs> but that's okay. We'll deal with it. Bread of life next week. Oh, I want to know how you're going you're gonna to fit that in. I don't know. How, how you're not actually eating bread because God only knows. darn those carbs, man. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for, for our um, talk on the Pool of Bethesda. Uh, our translation doesn't call it the Pool of Bethesda. Whatever. But the dude, the dude laying by the pool. Um, and next week we will have Bread of Life. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.